Especially on, on Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night's game, it was hard to watch. It looked like pre-hot streak Preds. It looked like uh, February Predators. How about that? It did not look good at all. It did not look like they were trying to claim a playoff spot. Let's, look, let's put it that way. But we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about it. We're going to unpack it. Because uh, we have to talk about these playoff scenarios. There are so many different playoff scenarios right now for the Nashville Predators on how they can get in. And it's pretty it, – there's a lot of different ways this can go, going over these uh, last th- uh, three uh, – two games for the Predators, last three games for the Dallas Stars. So we got to get into all that, talk about the game, talk about the Hurricanes. Can we finally figure out a way to beat these guys? So we're going to get into that. We've got to talk about what's gripping the NHL world, and that is – the whole debacle with Tom Wilson and NHL player safety and the New York Rangers and the Washington Capitals dropping the gloves right at the face-off. Bad look for the NHL. It just keeps going on and on. It's all you can see if you're searching NHL right now. And if you've got fringe hockey fans who are thinking about becoming fans and that's all you see right now, it's a bad look. But we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about it, put out all the facts, what's going on with that. And then we're going to end the episode, episode 42 of the Catholic on, on Ice podcast. We're going to end it looking back at the 2016-17 Predators team that took everyone by storm, snuck into the playoffs late in the season, just like this, this current Preds team's trying to do, and went to the Stanley Cup. So we're going to kind of try to compare the two teams. Is there a comparison? Are they even similar? Is there any similarities at all? Is that team way better than this team? We will definitely talk about that. So, let's get into it. First and foremost, we are presented by DraftKings, and that is the top-rated sports book in America. And let me tell you, you can have so much fun on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It uh, It's one of those things where you can do daily fantasy. If you're into sports betting, you can do that as well. And we got a big boxing match coming up this weekend. And this is what DraftKings has for you right now. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. When you sign up for a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for 
new users by offering them the chance to win $55 when placing a bet of just $1 on this weekend's big fight. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook must be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers apply. Restrictions apply as well. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. So go get in on that action for sure. Go get that at Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code THPN. So I'm fired up for this episode because I feel like so much has happened since our last episode. I don't know how you guys are feeling, but I feel like we a lot's happened in just three days. A, lot, a lot's happened for better or worse, I would say. Um, especially yeah, in the been, last few days. It's been wild. Yeah. <laughs> it's every, time you op- every time you open hockey Twitter, I mean, it's like insane. Just so it's much not, out there, so much going on. It's not good. Though. And that's... <laughs> and if, it's and fun if you're a, a Preds fan, yeah, it's fun from a distance. But if you're a Preds fan, you're you're focusing on all this stuff going on with uh, the Tom Wilson stuff, which we're going to get into. But let's focus on the Nashville Predators first. They did not take care of business in Columbus. Nope, they they failed to do that. They uh, they just couldn't get it going. And I kind of hinted at it a little bit in the last episode. The Preds, I mean, the, well, the Columbus Blue Jackets are a team that I do not understand how they are a last-place team right now. They have a lot of guys on their team who can make things happen. They are a stingy defensive team. And I'm not giving any excuses to the Preds right now. Don't mistake what I'm saying right now. But I knew that this was not going to be a cruise control type of series. Uh, no game in the NHL is that way. But nope. – the Preds looked like they were in cruise control. I did not like their effort on Wednesday night at all. They couldn't complete a pass to save their life. The passing was just like they 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 tried to move up the ice and it was instantly either given away to Columbus or it was it was just a mess. It didn't look smooth at all. If you were trying to get a new hockey fan into hockey and you showed them that game, they'd have been like, This is boring. Like this is like ugly <laughs> stuff to watch. Yeah. I mean that's just kind of the yeah. that's kind of the brunt of it. But uh, Colin, how about you fire it up here and g- give us your uh, first takeaways from the from how the Preds looked in Columbus? Yeah, it was just sloppy. It just it looked like bad habits that were coming back from you know when we when we started the season out and, and kind of had that rough start, that rough patch, you know, all pretty much all the way through mid March. There were a lot of similar things happening there that just looked rough, and so that was frustrating to see. The zone entries weren't good. Sloppy turnovers. Defensive breakdowns. I mean, shoot, one of the goals that they scored was screened by Matt Duchesne, who usually doesn't have that issue, but was just bad in a bad place in a bad spot and did not make a move defensively. But you can you, you can almost tell when they're about to score a goal. Oh. Is my sound coming through all right? Yeah, your, your sound's fine. Is it me? I think we're good. No, I can hear everybody. All right. Okay. So – it was frustrating to see because you, you can almost tell when they're about to score a goal because they just would get these sustained chances. And the, for a team that has looked so good poke checking and, and disrupting offenses, we did not look like that on Wednesday night, last night, Wednesday night. It was just, it was brutal. It, it, was, it was tough to watch. And, and honestly, you know, there, there was some bad, there was some bad defense, but there were also a couple goals, well, two out of the three, um, not counting the empty netter, where I thought UC could have probably made that. I think UC was kind of due mm-hmm. for a, a little bit of a not a full on regression, but just a rough game, and it was a rough game for UC as well. Yeah, I would agree. What what Chad said in the beginning about the bad passing, 
couldn't get the puck in the neutral zone. Their one power play opportunity they had, they couldn't get set up at all. Um, just it was just horrible. And I hate to say this, but um, you know we had all these players coming off of uh, injury, and I think it might have messed up the flow of the team a little bit. Um, I don't disagree know. with you on that, especially. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not sure Brad Richards is in it. I, I kind of wish Rocco was in the lineup somewhere, especially because he's healthy right now. Well, he's not. You got a you got a Dante Fabro back into the mix yep. uh, on Wednesday, which is yep. nice to have him back. But um, no Arvidsson. Yeah, that was one of those things. Yeah, yeah Ar- I just yeah. So it's yeah. It just felt like it just felt like they were off all night, and and there's there's only one thing you can point to, and that's it's definitely that you know the lines are, are mixed up a little bit now with these new these uh, injured players coming back. So. There was no flow. That was kind of – the word I keep coming back to is flow. There was no flow to it. It was like they would you would think they're, like, coming up and they're going to make something happen, and every time they try to get in the zone, they would just give the puck away. That's kind of how, how, how I saw it. It was a hard game to watch. There was no there was no flow to it whatsoever other than Kelly Yarncrook's uh, no. sick, sick goal. That goal was pretty sweet. But that again, was awesome. that was one of those that was one of those broken down plays, like where he just got loose and, and he finished it. It really didn't it that goal didn't come from the Preds cycling through, setting things up. It right. was just Columbus was doing the same thing. They weren't smooth in their play as well. It was just it was just two teams that were giving the puck away left and right, and neither team could really manufacture a lot of uh sustained pressure and Columbus ended up with the win, and it's it, it's a missed opportunity. It really is because now yeah. the Preds are really putting themselves in a tough situation because although the math seems like it's favoring the Preds, and it is, the the odds still favor the Preds, it's, it, it looks dicey because it really settles on the Friday night game, Dallas mm-hmm. Stars, Tampa Bay Lightning, what happens in that game. We're all going to be sweating. We're yeah. all going to be sweating bullets big time going into Saturday against the Carolina Hurricanes. If the Stars figure out a way to beat the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning on Friday, we're going to be yeah. we're going to be sweating bullets here. I can promise you that. I'm already sweating bullets about it. Not even mm-hmm. happened yet. Well, I mean, so, and, uh, and part of it is that you know it's not really like we could have taken this into our own hands, but now it's going to either take a little bit of help or it's going to take us beating the Carolina Hurricanes, who we've yet to beat. Well, yeah, and yeah. surely we don't want to get you know a season sweep. So if we can just get you know two points against the Hurricanes somehow, I don't care if it comes in a shootout, just do something. That'd be nice. But I mean, it's just it's it's tough knowing that we've yet to beat them. I mean, and that's going to be our first round opponent too. So you know, what what can we do for our confidence if we can get in? If we can get you know something going against them. But it's also going to take speed. I think that's why, for me, like I think you bring Rocco back. I think you know against Brad Richard with Brad Richardson, you know he's he's a tough player. I'll give him that. But we need speed, and that's what Rocco does in spades. And there's some other guys that can pick up his kind of defensive lapses here and there, uh, depending on the line you put him on. But um, no, I mean it, it's it stinks because if you can't, if the Tampa Bay Lightning can't get it done, then we got to rely on the Blackhawks. And it's like a question of okay, who do the Blackhawks hate more, the Stars or us? Are they going to help us out, or are they going to? You know, maybe maybe give some young guys some well, extra starting time. I'd like I'd like yeah. to think that they would want to win. But, yeah, you know, like you say though, you just don't know. Yeah, we gotta. Well, now we've put ourselves in the situation where we have to scoreboard watch more, which yep. drives you crazy. 
And then also, you've got to figure out your kryptonite this whole season. You've got to figure out the team that you can't figure out. And, you know, the, the Preds have been outscored 23-9 to against the Hurricanes this season. I mean, most of the games have been pretty hard to watch. They've had a couple close calls where they battled with them. But the Hurricanes are one of those teams where they are the front runners, prop, arguably in the entire NHL. I would argue that. And they're just – they're they're going to be very tough for the Preds. But here's another thing. The Preds can also get in. Here's a scenario we don't want to really see happen, but it could still happen. Preds get two overtime losses they can get in. They yep. can also get in if the Stars if, – if they can just get one overtime loss, then the Stars have to go 3-0-0 zero, and zero to, mm-hmm. to move past us. Because we have the we have the tiebreaker no matter what if we tie with them. We have yeah. the wins in regulation and we have the wins and overtime wins over them, which are your first two tiebreakers. So we don't have to worry about a tiebreaker scenario with them. We got the tiebreaker. We yeah. have to worry about the stars actually leapfrogging us. And it could still happen. That's what makes this thing so complicated now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and to answer, because Mike and Twitter, Mike Twitter, and then uh, Landry Agnes are on any of the comments here. What's uh, up, guys? How as, you doing? As far as the Tampa Bay Lightning go, I think they just know Dallas because they played them last year in the Cup. I think that's just that's kind of a, a rivalry that's been created because those teams are still very familiar with one another, and they still want to beat one another. I feel like Tampa Bay kind of wants to knock them out again, just for saying they were able to knock them out again, but. Um, I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty on the line for Tampa Bay too. I mean, they want to be in that second spot if possible, get home field or not home field, but a home ice advantage. Um, so I mean, there, there's there's incentive for Tampa Bay for Chicago. You know, there, there's incentive because they're competitors, they're NHL players, but you know they're already out too. So it, it's one yeah. of those things where and can Dallas, you know, can can Dallas beat them or can they beat Dallas? And I think Chicago's shown flashes I and mean, they've beaten Dallas before this season, so it's not an out of their own possibility. It's definitely. The math is in our favor, but it's just tough to because we could have. The math is in our favor, but I do not feel good about if, if we haven't clinched after Friday, after Friday's result between Stars and Lightning. If we haven't clinched yet, I'm I'm going to be losing my uh, my crap. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop the the S word here because we have family watching tonight. We're respectful <laughs> there, but that's what I'm going to be losing. Yeah, because I can tell you that I don't like our chances of us having to play Carolina twice and the Stars get a Chicago Blackhawks team that's pretty much, even though they're hockey players and they're competitive, and that's true, I don't yeah. like those, I don't like that scenario at all. So I do like I do uh, like Carolina I hate Bridgestone. Watching. Carolina yeah. being Bridgestone, yeah. that, that's good. That's one, one good that thing is, about that, it. That helps. And, and, the, and the crowd has really been rising to the occasion yeah. I've been hearing. Yes. I mean, even with, game, even with limited, limited capacity, the Bridgestone yeah. Arena crowd is still rising up and yeah. making it loud and making it a tough place to play. So, that, so, so the Dallas game, uh, Colin went to that and, and like yeah. watching it on TV – you, it sounded like it was full play. So I mean, it was thirty three percent, and it still felt like the energy was there. Like it was, yeah, it was crazy, yeah. especially after the overtime win. Like just the way that building erupted with just thirty three percent capacity. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, man, this is full. Like the whole the roof would have flown off its place. Like it, yep. the having that many fans definitely makes a difference. But I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be helpful for us. But at the same time, we gotta play our version of hockey too. Like yep. we can't get back into these old habits that we've been falling back into. So. 
it's gonna be it's gonna be a matter of how bad do they want it. I think they want it, but you know they gotta show it. So the good news is, I will say that for Dallas and Chicago, uh, Chicago actually leads that series four to two. So they beaten Dallas and they did that. They actually got two of those wins early on when Dallas was pretty or relatively healthy. So there's some optimism there if it falls back there. It would just be nice if we could just take it in our own hands and not have to scoreboard watch. And honestly, that's, another that's piece what of it is, it, yeah. Well, another thing is, is kind of jumping off the thought that, you know, Chad had last episode is like, where do you put Pecorino if, if you want to give him one last start in Bridgestone and theoretically this might be it for him? And we can't do that unless we have some confidence that we're, we're done. So, um, you know, that's, that's one thing. If, if My question, I guess, jumping off of that is, so let's say Friday, Tampa Bay wins, we're in, all is well. And let's say we give we get Pekka the series. We say Pekka start the series. And he does well, and we get two wins against Carolina. <laughs> Do you go into the playoffs against Carolina? No, Pekka, Pekka started. No, 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 no. And I'm, I'm I want to say yes. Even if I'm, he gets two wins, I'm the world's, I want to say yes. I'm the world's, I'm the world's biggest Pecorino fan, and I'm saying right. no, 100. <laughs> yeah. yeah. right. I want to say that's yes. Hard, that's hard for me to say. No, no, no. Yeah. But um, here's a. Here, I've been thinking about that too. Do you give Pecorino the series? I don't think so. I think. I don't think you need to. I don't think Soros needs that long of a rest. No. That could almost work against um, you if Soros gets too long of a rest. And so I'm thinking, ideally, I would love if we have it clinched either Friday or Saturday by winning on Saturday. Either way, if the Preds can clinch by Saturday after Saturday's game, then. The perfect scenario is Pecorino starts the season finale. There's nothing on the line. Let him go out with a standing ovation. Uh, hopefully he gets a good performance in front of him. He gets the win. And then we see what happens in the offseason, and hopefully we can bring him back. That's a perfect scenario for me. But if let's say the Preds have it already clinched going into Saturday night's game. Uh, I still think that in that scenario, I would start Pecorino on Saturday – Mm-hmm. and then still give Soros the season finale because I don't <laughs> want Soros to get too much of a rest and then he comes into game one rusty, which yeah. could happen too. So Because um, we don't know when, the, when if they do make it in, we don't even know when the playoffs will start because that hasn't been announced. We don't even know, so – yeah, yeah. That would be a long rest. Like you said. It's supposed to be the eleventh. Now it's going to be. It's going to be later because they extended the season to basically May nineteenth. So, yep. realistically, and and some playoff games might actually start before regular season games end, just because they're trying to keep things yeah. flowing with COVID uh, and all that stuff. Yeah. You still yeah, have Vancouver. The, well, like yeah. Van, the Vancouver Canucks are the team that's really behind right now. Yeah. You look at the standings. They've only yeah. played. Vancouver's only played. 47. 47 games. They're yeah, they still got nine games to play. So uh yep. and they're they're technically not eliminated yet. They're basically eliminated, but mathematically they're not yet. So um you gotta let them play out their games for sure. So uh another thing I really want to get into from the game though, even though it was a snoozer and it was hard to watch, how about the fourth <laughs> line and how about Tanner Janot? Oh yeah. Well that's the thing this is guy, that speaks to this guy, this, this guy just keeps cooking. This guy just keeps making things happen. It's not just him, it's that entire line. But Tanner Judeau, exactly. man, this guy has been – we've discovered a player that we didn't know a lot about, and there's a lot we can take from this season, even if we don't make the playoffs, based on what we've seen from the youth of this roster. And Tanner Janot's kind of taken that charge and been – even he's, he's up there close with Ellie Tolvanen. Obviously, Ellie Tolvanen's leading that way as far as the youth. 
But Tanner Janot is turned into a rocket. This guy makes things happen. He scored the first goal against Columbus, and we were feeling good about it then. But uh, you just love everything you've seen about him. Yeah, he's making a case to stay on the roster too. So that's awesome. Oh, he definitely. I think he definitely should at this point because he's 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 isn't I forget what the what the exact set is, but he's leading the team in points since a certain date. So I mean, that in and of itself is like. I mean, that should be another re- enough reason. But really, that line is a microcosm of just what this Preds' success has been predicated on. Like, without the young guys, the Preds have not been successful. And I honestly, like, that's why I kind of question bringing some of these guys. I mean, obviously, like, you got to bring your Forsbergs back. You got to bring your Duchesne's, or not, yeah, your Duchesne's back. But, you know, Richardson, I know he brings some things in there. Gabranson, also know he brings some things in there. But the youth just have this, this mentality. When you talk about, you know, the team vibing, like, the vibe comes because these guys are hungry. I mean, they just look hungrier. They look, you know, more energetic and more enthusiastic. Not to say the other guys aren't, but it's just there's something about this youth that they just come into it and they set the pace and they set the tone for everybody else. And so, you know, when you look at that fourth line, like that, that's a tone setter for the whole team because they're physical and, and they're fast and they don't let up on plays. I mean, that Tanner Geno goal, he had to skate all the way from behind the net and mm-hmm. he put it in himself mm-hmm. and he basically got his own rebound. And that was just like that, that sort of tenacity that – you need like you got to be able to put those second chance opportunities in the net, and he did that. But I mean, he along with Jakob Trenin, who's been playing really well, Colton Citizens has kind of had a resurgence being able to center those two guys. Like that's that's what we need to see is more of that, more of that energy and that enthusiasm throughout the entire roster. Um, let me share. Uh, yeah, I, I agree totally. Let me let me share real quick, Rich, before you go. Uh, uh, Kyle Perkins, who's a host of uh, Renegades of Puck uh, on. Um, uh, National Sports Radio locally here. We had a really good conversation right before we went live, uh, basically talking about how, yeah, it's great to see this youth play the way that way, the way that it is, and it's great to see the fourth line, the herd line. Everyone loves it, but this is kind of a bad. You can't count on your fourth line carrying you, especially against teams like the Hurricanes. So we really need the rest of this roster to wake up and and. Give some goal support to UC Soros for one, but just you know, like when when the only spark you're seeing is from your fourth line, which is what mm-hmm. I kind of saw against Columbus on Wednesday night, that's a major problem. That's a yeah. major problem. When so, you look uh, at the stat sheet, you look at the stat sheet and like Forsberg, nothing, uh Tolvanen, nothing, you know, Johansson, nothing, Duchesne, nothing. They just you know, those are the guys that have to step up, like you said. I should say Forsberg's got two points, but then yeah, Tolvanen has that one goal, and that's really that's really it for him. I mean, the power play has not gotten to back to where it was, and honestly, like that top unit is not getting the time that they probably need. And, and really, Tolvanen has like one chance, and then if it doesn't work out, they pull it out and put the second unit out there. And I'm like, why? I mean, he's getting the shooting lanes. Like for whatever reason, I don't get it. Yeah. Teams have given him like that that circle. They let him shoot from that circle, and they still have, like they has, they haven't put a blocker in front of him or anything. So I'm like, why are we not leaving him out? for just a little bit longer, give him one more chance. And if it doesn't go in, then you put the second unit out there, but giving him one chance, one chance to shoot it and then say, okay, we're going to switch it up. It just doesn't mm-hmm. work. But yeah, I mean, Forsberg's got to, I mean, Forsberg could put the team on his back if he wanted to, um, you know, now Fabro's back. Like I'd love to see him, you know, contribute some offensively. That was one thing I noticed last night is our, our defense wasn't getting on the four check and it definitely mm-hmm. showed in terms of, that's why we couldn't produce. We couldn't get sustained opportunities because instead we're seeing these opportunities be squandered by poor, poor offensive transitions where things get immediately poke checked. And we need to see more than, than just that. So, 
you know, it, it would be nice to see all these guys that came back from injury really contribute the way they were before they got injured. Um, and also, like I said, I, I, I'm still – I've been critical of Rocco this season, but I'd still take Rocco over Brad Richardson right now just because of how he's been playing as of late and what he brings to the team. Right. I, I mean that's that's a that's a good that's a good point to bring up about swapping out uh, Brad Richardson for Grimaldi. I don't see it happening. I don't see Hines doing that this late in the season. I think he's kind of stuck in his ways. But yeah. I don't think you're necessarily wrong in bringing that up either. Uh, another thing, so Yarncroke got that sweet goal um, to make it two one Preds. It was a sweet goal. He broke away and just put it right top shelf. Uh, really go- yep. gorgeous goal. Nice. So he's tied for the team leading goals now with 13. Um, that was pretty, but it pretty much ended after that. That, that, <laughs> was, 30, that was 30 seconds later. Kind of makes you wonder if the Preds were scoreboard watching like the rest of us were because well, it, that's just, what, it, wasn't a good, it wasn't a good effort after that. Well, no, no, that's what I was saying, like the bad habits. Like I can't tell you how many times, how many times have we seen like it's the last minute or maybe like minute 30 seconds of the period and the Preds just like mentally collapse. Like they just like, they just let it go. Like, okay, we're going to go on intermission and they score. Like that's, and that was one of those things where we kind of eliminated that since, you know, March 16th. Like we have not really fallen back into that habit. And when I saw that last night, I was like, Oh no, like that, that yeah. can't be something we get back into because we've done so well with, with trying to finish out periods and finish them strong. And so, yeah, that was just so frustrating to see how it happened. So in the beginning of the season, we used two words a lot in our articles and on the podcast. It was grit and intensity. And we said they need to find the grit and the intensity. Well, then they found it. And we said they've got the grit and the intensity. Well, then now on Wednesday night, they definitely did not have that. And they just, they just like we said, look flat. And it's just like no. you got to get that that intensity back you're just you're just getting pushed not pushed around but just you're just not playing well i don't know uh, it's just and i think it's opponents you know the opponent psychology too like i think that mm-hmm. I, with dallas like when they went to dallas that was like a playoff game if there ever was one and mm-hmm. the intensity was there like yes mm-hmm. it was a high scoring match but man like there were some punches traded there was some, there was some intensity some grit to that game yeah. with you know with the the first the first uh Capitals game or not Capitals? Good lord, uh, the first Columbus game. I got tumble snarling on my mind. Uh, but the first Columbus game, though, it was just one of those things where it was like we, we we kind of we coasted. We got the we got that big lead, and then we gave it up, and it's like we had to take overtime just to do it. Like we expected to win, and then last night it felt more of the same of like we expect to beat these guys, and we coasted. So hopefully with Carolina coming up, maybe that intensity level gets up, maybe that grit comes back, yeah. and we say, listen, we got to take this into our own hands. Absolutely. Uh, they get, they really got to get some adjustments here, and they got to. I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens Friday with the, with the, with the lightning, but even lightning and the stars. But even if the Preds are already clinched, I still want to see them play with a different intensity. I don't even care if the playoffs are clinched. They need to show yep. us something here. They need to make yep. a statement here. So yep. that's where we're at here. Let's get into the next segment of episode forty-two of the Catfish and Ice podcast. Presented by DraftKings. Go get the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use our promo code THPN to bet $1 to win $55 on the main event of this weekend's boxing match. Just pick the just just bet on the main event. You can win $55 on a simple $1 bet. So let's go ahead and get into the next segment. And that is what's really gripping the NHL world. Uh, not for the right reasons. <laughs> this isn't something like great that's going on here that everyone wants to be necessarily talking about, but it's happening and we have to address it. We can't overlook it. Uh, let's go ahead and get into the uh, 
just kind of the meat of what's going on here. And that is, we all know, we've all seen it. Tom Wilson, repeat offender. We feel like this happens all the time. Got into another scrum between – it was the New York Rangers, uh, Washington Capitals on Monday. And a scrum happens. You know, scrums happen all the time in the NHL. That's part of it. No one's mad about that. But what happens towards the end of the scrum, Tom Wilson throws uh, – Throws Panarin down to the down to the ground down to the ice. Starts slamming his head. Gets in gets really ugly. Gets really nasty. And then that's when the NHL player safety gets involved and gives him a five thousand dollar fine, which is the maximum allowed under the CBA. So we'll deal with that later. That's something that's also ridiculous. But <laughs> the fact that there was no suspension is why everyone up, is up in arms, and rightfully so. Because then, Wednesday's game, we all knew it was coming. Both teams dropped their gloves right at the face-off. And it's just a horrible look for the league. Uh, because that fighting is happens in hockey, and we get that. No one's trying to say, get rid of fighting when it, when it, when it happens. But in that regard, that's a bad look. Because so, it looked like WWE. Well, and, th- and there's a lot of context to it, too. So... For, I mean, we've seen some people have made the argument that Tom Wilson was retaliating because Panarin jumped on his back. But Panarin jumped on his back because Tom Wilson was cross-checking one of his teammates while he was down on the ice in the back. And so that's why Panarin jumped on him, to get him off of his guy. And so then the fight breaks out. He Panarin has his, his helmet off. He gets pulled down by the hair while being tripped by, on the leg and then gets pulled down to the ice where he can – I mean, that's a huge concussion issue potentially, but – Panarin's now out because of the injuries sustained from that fight for the season. And granted, the Rangers were eliminated, but at the same time, that's a player that's out, that's not playing games because of someone that's injuring fights. They happen, but they don't injure players or necessarily knock them out for the rest of the season like that one does. And, and honestly, like that one, on top of everything else that's been happening, like it's just it's a it's a recipe for disaster. When you what do you expect is going to happen when you find a guy for five thousand dollars? And I get that is. The, the NHLPA minimum. Like, that's got to be re- renegotiated in the next CBA. But it's not suspended for any games. They could have avoided this if they just suspended him for the next game or next two games. Dante Fabro got two games for much less. I mean, come on. Like, do you remember, do you remember when Dante Fabro got suspended for two games? Yep. He didn't, he didn't knock someone out. He didn't put someone, you know, he didn't, he didn't injure someone so much that they couldn't, they'd have to miss time. Like, that's just ridiculous to me. But um, no, I mean, it, it's a matter of, of the NHL asked for this. Like, what what did the NHL think they were going to get when they they said, "Here's a five thousand dollar fine for a guy that makes that in like you know one one you know a, a minute maybe of ice time." Like, that's just that's ridiculous. And then, but, you know, to to be so, you know, I, I I'm going to go on my conspiracy hat, you know, now. But come on, like I've, I've got the graphic poster here, and you can show it to everybody if you want to, but. To take him out of the game and say he's got an upper body injury, which really just means he's not, he doesn't have a brain. That's what my belief is. But the upper body injury, like I think Toronto called and said, get Tom Wilson out of the game, or this is going to get uglier and uglier. And then beyond that, the $250,000 fine for the Rangers, that's such crap. I mean, that is such – like what, what, no, no, are we not going to look at what the uh, what the Capitals did too? I mean, they played a role in that as well. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> but that, that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, Tom Wilson is that's out great- for uh, – yeah, upper body. Sure, sure he is. Capitals PR. Sure he is. I believe that. Yeah. Okay, that's how I feel about it. What about you, Rich? Go ahead. 
<clears throat> well, I've got a little bit more unpopular opinion of the whole thing. Um, let me just preface what I'm about to say with the NHL rules are ridiculous. Um, they're not consistent. Um, there's, there's the rules and then there's the unwritten rules. And then you have the code by the players and the, the, the fines and the penalties don't make any sense. That's one thing. Number two, I'm not defending Tom Wilson in the least. That dude is a crazy man. He has a long history. He's got some of, anger. It seems like he, it seems like this guy has some anger problems. He's, he's, he's mad. He's got a long list of uh, suspensions. But when you look at, so I like, I watched some videos today of some bench clearing brawls and there's a lot of really, really bad things that happen in those. And I think they're using the instance of when it's a brawl like that, lots of things happen and can happen. Um, and I think that's why they didn't suspend him because like Panarin, he did get injured, but he did walk away, which is thank goodness. Cause he really hit his head really hard. And I just think like, when you insert yourself into that situation, no matter who you are, no matter how big you are, you have to expect that you could possibly get hurt. It was bad of Tom Wilson, the way he handled it, but you also have to think it's heat of the moment. He's got three other dudes trying to beat him up. Well, I think- and he, and he deserved, he, he definitely deserved something because of the cheap shot that he gave Buchnevich, but, and he was taken up for his teammate. And Panarin has every right to take up for his teammate and try to stop it. But you just, I, I, I mean, think, I just uh, can't see why, you know. Like, I, th- I think, I think. You see what I, I'm I saying, think, though? Like, I totally see what you're saying, Rich. Here's another reason why a lot of people are uh, ticked off right now is, I mean, it's not like Tom Wilson. L- l- let's forget that he's even a one-time repeat offender. This right. guy Multiple right, every year. I've, got, nope. I've, got, I've, I've actually got his fine and suspension history written down on my notes tonight. And my wrist, I'm not exaggerating, pretty long. was hurting after mm-hmm. I wrote down all these suspensions. And let me give credit to uh, to uh, Bleacher Report for uh, for for where I got this. Uh, actually, no, this was from Yahoo. Uh, from James O'Brien of Yahoo was actually who shared the timeline of all of his suspensions dating back to September of 2017. And I mean, I can go on and on, but like he, this guy is a repeat offender, a multi repeat. I mean, I'm not talking just a couple times. Like that also is what really makes this look bad. If it was one of those instances where it was a guy who, you know, hasn't been around that much. it, It happened. It was in the heat of the moment type of thing. Like, like you're saying, Rich, then I'd be like, okay, it's a brutal sport. It can be barbaric. It, yeah. it can be rough. We'll, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt that he was angry, that this player was heated, uh, whatever. It's part of it. And, most, no, and most, of your, most of your hockey players know what they're signing up for. But Tom Wilson has is not going to get the benefit of the doubt for me whatsoever. This guy yeah, clearly I mean, likes – this guy clearly likes to play this way. Uh, and and – so I think the NHL really missed out on an opportunity to send a message of, okay, this kind of stuff's not going to be tolerated. Yeah. Like fight, yeah. fighting, heavy checking, all we don't want the physicality of the sport to leave, but that kind of stuff has no room for it. And so I think that's where people really break off and they're ticked off. 
Well, and he was celebrating in the box afterwards too, which just makes him a bigger douchebag. Yeah, but, and that's yeah. And but, I agree with and, everything y'all are saying, but it's just I can see why they didn't suspend him because I've seen brawls where guys have gotten hurt a lot worse than that, and it's uh, and they're using that as a precedent to not suspend him this time. He's probably going to get suspended down the road, and you know it's it's going to happen. You you know it's going to happen because he's of uh, the way he plays, unless he changes his you know the way you know how he plays, but. It's just when, when you look at know. the it's, when you look at like it's it's bad because like if you look at like everybody talking about it, so people are saying he tried to commit murder and assault and like you look at all that garbage and it's like you know New York's mad because Panarin's out. He he did get hurt. Just I don't, I don't know. It's just it's just a bad. I, it, it's bad all around. It's just bad all around. Well, I mean, part of it's that you know I'm not even like I'm in a place of like if they wanted to find Panarin too, fine. Like find Panarin. Um, I mean, really, it was the it was the the cross check to uh, what's his name? Uh, oh my gosh, Butchnevich. Yeah, Butchnevich, his neck. I mean, that was especially the neck area. Like, that's just incredibly dangerous. Yeah. But I mean. The thing is, like, if you want to find both players for fighting, sure. The fine that he got was for the cross check, which is good. But the fine is, like I said, it's five thousand dollars. Like, that doesn't mean anything. The only way the NHL can find more than five thousand dollars is by taking away someone's game check. And the only way you do that is you suspend for a game. I mean, that that's that's uh, it's already a heftier fine. It's a heftier fine than, and that's the whole reason that they justified it, is that if we have to find anything over $5,000, then we're going to suspend for a game to take away a game check. Well, they didn't do that. And if there's ever been an instance where that should have happened, it's just not only that, I mean, even for, I'm going to play devil's advocate, literally the devil here, but like for Tom Wilson's safety, like Tom yeah, Wilson well, could have gotten, could I mean, they could have gotten, they could have been headhunting last in last night's game. Good, good thing. Yeah, you had another let's body get into injury, that. Like, so let's get, yeah. in, let's get into what, let's get into the ramifications of what happened. And this is where we're kind of talking about like, yes, the suspension should have been handed out because where it really got dicey and we all saw it coming. No one was surprised by this Wednesday yeah. night's game. Capitals Rangers Rangers even issued a very big statement Puck drop. for the game. I've never seen a team statement like this released. And, um, it was just, I mean, I, I'll read it real quick just because I feel like for people who haven't heard it, they need to hear it. But the, the official New York Rangers statement came out and said, the New York Rangers are extremely disappointed that the Capitals for Tom Wilson was not suspended for his horrifying act of violence last night at Madison Square Garden. Wilson is a repeat offender with a long history of these types of acts, and we find it shocking that the NHL and their Department of Player Safety failed to take the appropriate action and suspend him indefinitely. Wilson's dangerous and reckless actions caused an injury to Artemi Panarin that will prevent him from playing again this season. We view this as a dereliction of, of duty by NHL head player of safety, George Peros, and believe he is unfit to continue in his current role. Now, let me say this. The Rangers ended up getting fined $250,000 earlier today. For this statement, I feel like if they took out that last sentence, unfit for his current no. role, yeah. then I don't, I don't think they get fined. They Maybe won't. they get fined a much smaller fine, but they I went agree. off from front. This team went off from the top rope. I'm, I'm not bet- blaming them for that. I'm not saying it's wrong either. Like, I mean, let's be they honest. Went off, but they, I mean, that's the biggest team statement I've ever seen. Oh yeah. Maybe, oh yeah. Maybe someone, maybe someone can share some examples that they've seen in the past where a team 
blasted the league like that in an official statement in any sport, please tell me. I would love to see it. That was yeah. crazy to me. And well, the, that, 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 that last sentence is a is a mic drop. Unfit it, to continue his current <laughs> role. So Gary I mean, Bettman came out today and said, "We're not going to deal with those. Uh, uh, we're not going to deal with those uh, comments, and we're going to fine you two hundred fifty thousand dollars." Which I mean, come on now. Gary Bettman's – there's a reason that Gary Bettman's was hate commissioner in major major sports, though. I, I honestly – and that's saying something because Godell is a pretty hated individual. Mm-hmm. But Gary Bettman has been booed longer than Godell has been even in the job. So um, Let me read uh, – let, real quick, let me just read Bettman's uh, – what he had to say about it. Quote, uh, he said, public, public, comment, public comments of the nature issued by the Rangers that were personal in nature – and demeaning of a league executive will not be tolerated. We, while we don't expect our clubs to agree with every decision rendered by the Department of Player Safety, the extent to which the Rangers expressed their disagreement was unacceptable. It is terribly unfair to question George Peros's professionalism and dedication to his role in the Department of Player Safety, end quote. This this is not going to end but, anytime soon. This is going to no. be a stain for a while. It's going it to be avoided. It's going to get well. Here's the thing: the Rangers are going to appeal it, and if they lose on appeal, they're going to take it to court because that's that's a quarter of a million dollars. Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding for that kind of? That's I mean, I, I, I get that this is like it's it's a pretty big call out, but at the same time, like, here's the thing about leadership: you're in an executive position, you make that decision, you make that call. Like your name is on it. So whether you like it or not, like your name is on it. When people are frustrated, your name is going to be associated with that decision. And if you can't handle that, if you are so petty to think that you need to be protected behind the shield of the league for, you know, someone saying some, some mean things about you being critical of your poor performance, because let's be honest, that was a poor choice. Like the fact that Dante Faber got two games for leaving his feet and Tom Olsen gets nothing. Like, are you, and Dante Faber is never a defender. Like, and that's what that's what Rich me? was saying. That's what Rich was saying. There's no consistency here. There's no. it's like it's like what are you doing, NHL? Like what are you doing right now? At, at the very least, dollars? like come at on. The, at the very least, you could have avoided this by suspending Wilson one game, two games, and there still would have been people that would have been like, seriously, you're only going to spend this guy one or two games after his but, history. But at the same though. time, you could you, you could have avoided this mess. By at least suspending the guy one or two games, which I we all agree he deserves. I, I don't know if Rich agrees on that, but um, I mean, uh, with in the in the framework of the NHL's jacked up rules, I mean he's got a he should have been a, a precedent. There's a precedence for him to not get suspended. That's all. I'm I, I mean, I don't, and I think, you know, and I think just, being a re, I think being a repeat <clears throat> offender since 2017 also should play into this. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. but I mean. It's but not if you like look this at, guy. But well, if you look at like Matthias Ekholm, let's say Matthias Ekholm uh, does something and somebody jumps on his back and he does the exact same thing. We'd all sit here and we'd go, man, that's really not like him. We said it about Dante Fabro. We were like, mm, he didn't mean to. It's not well, like if, him. But because he's Tom Wilson, everybody your, hates him. To use your scenario of Ekholm, let's say Ekholm does this. And he, Ekholm get Ekholm gets crazy too. He can Ekholm yeah. is a player who plays pissed off. And let's say he did it. Let's yep. say he did it. I I would definitely be like, dude, that that's not a good look. Like you got mm-hmm. angry, you got upset in the moment. 
and if the NHL comes out and suspends him two games, I'm totally being like, all right, that's understood. I mean, um, look at look at the Fabro case. Even when Fabro left yeah. his feet and got suspended for two games, we're like, you know what? He left his feet, and we 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 understood that. Like we were reasonably yeah. like, okay, that's reasonable. But the thing is, like the fine and the, the actual like punishment for what he received was not for what happened against Panarin. I mean, that was pretty ugly. Let's not get it twisted. Like that was he threw him around like a rag doll. Oh yeah, but it was ugly. The punishment was for what happened with Bujinovich, which was justified. But it's, it, mm-hmm. honestly, that. Felt like that that issue alone should have been the reason for multiple game suspension. Not, yeah. I mean, the Panarin one. Listen, two guys fighting happens all the time in the NHL. A scrum, the, the, the basically a scrum. Yeah, the cross check to the back of someone's neck while they're on the yeah, ice. That is the multi. That's the multi game suspension reasoning. I'm not saying that he deserves a, a, a fine or even suspension yeah. necessarily for Panarin. It was ugly. Should he have just you know. Tom Wilson is incapable of stepping away from that situation. I get it. Oh, yeah. But yeah. the Bushnevis part was the one that got me. I mean, and like I said, yeah. like we've said, the NHL could have avoided all of this if they had just done even a single game suspension. It probably wouldn't have been enough because yeah. uh, to me, that looks like it. Listen, if Dante Fabra gets two games for leaving his feet as a first time offender. Mm-hmm. And what didn't look really like he was trying to inflict harm on the guy, yeah. then this deserves at minimum two games. There's no exactly. way. Exactly. I'm right there. That's why, right there that's why they need to. They need to change the rules. They need to do something to oh, there. I think kind of stuff. I think there's. A, I think yeah. this is going to be a very big topic topic of discussion over the off season. Well, I think the I NHL. I think the NHL not, realizes that they have a pretty big problem. They need to figure out now. The NHL is really good at not fixing anything, so yeah. we'll see if they actually do something about it. But I think they do realize right now they have a pretty big problem on their hands well, that they better figure out. But uh, let me also. One of the points. Good. Real fast, to Colin's point, it's dangerous for everybody involved. Like you said, even for Tom Wilson, like yeah, he could have he could have seriously got hurt last night, and and well, people man. probably probably would say, oh, that's deserved, but it's not. It's, so it's, let's talk it's about nobody should let's get talk, hurt. <laughs> let's talk. Let's talk about this quote that I pulled from a a Bleacher Report article from Tyler Conway, who writes for Bleacher Report. This is uh, he quoted uh, New York Rangers defenseman Brandon Smith who said, quote, I had no beef with anybody else on their team. I thought it should have been handled before this game, and it wasn't. Unfortunately, it had it had to be on my shoulders, and I thought I took it. So that's basically just a player saying, hey, look, we knew what was going to happen. This is what we had to do. It's part of it. And the NHL let it happen. Yeah. And for some people, a- we loved it. For some people, they were like, man, this is awesome. Can I get this every night? Pure hockey fans don't want to. See, pure hockey fans don't want to see that mess. We don't want to see. We that. don't. No. And Smith, I mean, so. Smith, did, he, Smith took it all right. He took Wilson pretty much <laughs> mauled him in that fight. But anyway, not I mean, mauled. Even, even to see yeah. Strom get on the action, but I mean the thing is, like that's that's what frustrates me is that the 141 penalty minutes. I mean, I'm glad I haven't seen anything yeah, as a result as a result of that because what do you expect is going to happen? Like, yeah, he well, says let's talk about like, this. You have to take it into your hands, like. Yeah. So Tom Tom Tom, Will, Tom Wilson's already suspended been suspended this current season for seven games for yep. a hit on Brandon Carlo of the Boston Bruins. So yep. it's like this guy just doesn't learn. So I get what you're saying, uh, Rich, about yeah, like, but you can't give this guy the benefit of the doubt anymore. He he no. wasted that and, a long time ago. Yeah, and I agree. And had he like, if it was a different scenario, and he like purposely went and found Artemi Panarin and like did that and not in a scrum, I would say kick him out of the league. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. 
but he inserted himself into the situation and you you know you don't go poke a bear when they're mauling somebody else it's just it's just a bad a bad all the way around and then yeah. we haven't even talked about Buchnevich getting suspended when he, he got suspended, uh, yeah. Cross checked Mantha in the neck with the stick. So exactly. You know, so it's yeah, just that, that's kind of an eye for eye situation. The thing is, like that cross check looked very similar to what was happening to him and why he was so pissed off. But like this whole the whole two hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollar fine thing, like that looks to me like there's a the, the the metaphor. It's not a great metaphor, but like the metaphor of like new money versus old money. Like that's a new money move. Like they they're <clears throat> fine two hundred fifty thousand dollars, a quarter million dollars, like. Do you really want to get sued for damages NHL? Because I mean, honestly, there's no if they don't get if they if the Rangers don't win that on appeal, they're going to take it to the court system. The court system, like you just got these huge lucrative contracts with ESPN and Turner. The last thing you need is this stupid kind of controversy mm-hmm. where you're finding an obscene amount. And I get it, it's the Rangers, <clears throat> and the Knicks are doing well this season, so maybe the Rangers have a little bit more money because uh, the Knicks kind of have been subsidizing them a bit. Yeah. But I mean, come on, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, a quarter million dollars. Because they hurt your feelings, because they said so that you did, were bad at your job, because you are. Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. I agree. So uh, just as long as you guys don't so, think um, I'm picking up for Tom Wilson, that's no, all. No, no, you're about. good. You're I don't good. want. I don't want anybody like coming on Twitter and flaming me or anything and saying no. how dare you. No, I, I uh, no, Rich. I think Rich. I think you have a. I think you make a good point. I mean, I think you got to look at it from multiple different angles because that's how this. Yeah. That's how the story is. This story can be looked at from many different angles. And uh, I mean, your perspective is not wrong. I think where I break away from you is if if Tom Wilson didn't have the history that he has, I would yeah. I would be able to kind of like see what you're saying. But at the same time, with his history, I can't give the guy any benefit of the doubt. So we we can go on for another hour about this. Oh, we're yeah, gonna go ahead, but we're going to go ahead and move on to the next segment. This is a Catfish on Ice podcast, episode forty-two, presented by DraftKings and part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Go follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook at Catfish Ice. This is Chad Mitten and Rich Howe and Colin Blue and your hosts. And let's get into our final segment, and that is we're going to look back at the two thousand sixteen and seventeen. National Predators team that really wasn't that long ago. Feels like it wasn't that long ago, that's for sure. Who shocked everybody. They also had to sneak into the playoffs late in the season. They lost five of their last seven games that season, actually. So you want to talk about a team that was backing into the playoffs and didn't have a lot going for them. Not a lot of excitement. Not a lot of buzz. I remember, like it was yesterday, that team – there was no Stanley Cup aspirations around this team when they were going into the playoffs to face the Chicago Blackhawks as the eighth seed. I was hoping they didn't get swept. And then, ironically <laughs> enough, they were the ones that did the sweeping. So it's natural to kind of think back to that team and then look at this current team and think, can we feel should we feel the same way? Not that those two te- these two teams are the same team, because they're not. But can, is it fair to think, okay, why can't this team, Preds team do the same thing? Why can't they go and sweep Carolina? Why can't they make a magical Stanley Cup run? That's the point of this comparison. That's the point of the article I wrote for Predlines.com and that you can go check out. And that's the point of this segment. And so let me, let me just start off by uh, saying this. Uh, also – that 2016-17 team was definitely better on paper. I will go ahead and give you that 100%. That team 
had Mike Fisher. It had it had uh, James Neal. It had uh, you know Craig Smith. It had PK Subban. It had Pecorine who. St- it had Pecorine, who still hadn't won his uh, first Vesna trophy yet. Um, Cody McLeod. But, but there's still <laughs> Cody McLeod. Oh, you got to talk about some Cody McLeod up in here. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I love it. But um, that team, that team had a lot of good players, a lot of good veterans. But it also had a lot of the same players that are still on this current team. Victor Arvidsson, Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, Matias Ekholm. Colton Sissons, you know, I mean, Ryan Ellis, I mean, Cal Yarcroke. So there's still a lot of the same players. Now, I want to compare some stats here. 2016, the the team leader in goals was Victor Arvidsson and Philip Forsberg. They each had 31 goals. Uh, Points was a tie with Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvidsson with 61 points. Assist, Ryan Johansson led the team with 47 uh, Roman Yossi led the team on time on ice with uh, twenty over 25 minutes a game. Uh, hits was Mike Fisher with 160. Penalty minutes was da-da-da, Austin Watson. No shocker there. Uh, yeah, so uh, let's look at this current team. Goal production's way down with this team. Um, even when you go off an of 82-game pace, the goal production is down. But it's uh, tied right now between Mikhail Granlin and Cal Yarncroft with 13 goals apiece. Points, you got Roman Yossi with 33. Assists, you got Roman Yossi with 25. Yossi still leads the team in average time on ice. You got the Yak attack. Yakov Trenin leading the team in hits with 89. Even though Matthew Olivier's been out for a while, he leads the team in uh, penalty minutes with 68. And so um, I think the biggest comparison I can make between this these two teams is – You've got two teams that play with an edge, that play with a blue-collar mentality, play with a chip on their shoulder, and you've also got two teams that have a hot goaltender that that can carry you, that's capable of carrying you. Pecorine was that way in 2016-17, and now we've got UC Soros. Other than that, I still the Preds got a lot of holes this year compared to that 2016-17 team. The Stanley Cup team was way better on special teams than this current team. And that's the part that really sticks out to me where it's hard to compare the two and hope for a deep playoff run. What do you, uh, Rich, kind of what do you – how do you feel? Do you feel like all hope's lost? Once we get in, it's over. We're going to get swept no matter what. Or we're going to lose in five games. Maybe, maybe we get one win. How are you feeling? Or do you have some optimism here? There's always, there's always a little bit of hope. <laughs> you got to always keep that little bit of hope on paper. It looks like they're going to get murdered, but um, yeah. you just, you just never know. You just never know what's going to happen. Like you said, and I will like, say, I wasn't, I, I wasn't watching, I wasn't watching Nashville back in 2016, 17, but like when you look at the stats and stuff, they swept Chicago. I mean, well, nobody I thought say, they were going to do that. And, I, and I'm sure Colin can put some perspective, his own perspective on this, but I can say that going into that series with Chicago, I was feeling very similar so I, how yep. I feel right now, mm-hmm. if the Predators are able to face the Hurricanes in the first round, the feelings are going to be very, very similar. So in but that, me, I can say – Let me ask you Let me ask you this. If you should compare that Chicago team with this Carolina Hurricanes team, how do those two match up? 
I mean, it, it's it, it's subjective. I mean, I feel like it depends on who you ask there. It's, yeah. it's hard to compare the two teams. I will say that, that Blackhawks team was right at the end of their peak. That yeah. was kind of like that was kind of like their last hoorah with yeah. each other. They had they had a ton of veterans. They still had Patrick Kane, obviously, but they were they had a ton of veterans on that team. Uh, yeah. A lot of people would argue that the Blackhawks rode that roster for too long. That that roster that that kind of made them a little bit of a dynasty, and they should have re- they should have gone into the rebuild sooner. Mm-hmm. And the Preds pretty much put that nail in the coffin to send them into the rebuild that they're still kind of recovering from now. Yep. Yeah. But going into that playoff series, I remember looking at that Blackhawks team thinking, we're not going to win this series. We might. We'll be lucky to win a game. And then Victor Arvidsson scored the first goal in game one, right when the game started. And I remember uh, the sports bar I was at, all these Preds fans were like, okay, okay. We're, we're up. We're up one nothing in game one, first period. But, uh, yeah, the, the – there wasn't a lot of confidence that we were going to be able to beat the Blackhawks. There wasn't. So back back then, I have to ask you real quick, did you, either one of you, have a Cody Bass jersey? <laughs> no, sir. Can't say I, I don't even know. I remember the name. Know. I remember the name. I do remember the he, name. He played nine games that season. Anyway, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say, the only time, I mean, Hey, really, he played more than Lucas Pisa. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> what if the Predators win the Stanley Cup? Go ahead. Lucas Pisa's name is going to be inscribed on Lord Stanley. That's we'll insane. deal with that. We'll deal with that later. We'll, so we'll, okay one, we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. But yeah. I mean, you look at that series, and not only was it you know good just for us to be able to get the sweep, but I mean, realistically, like the score wise, we we played some dominant defense that we only allowed. Well, I should say Pecorino only allowed uh, what was it uh, three three goals during the entire series. I mean, that's that's crazy. Oh. Yeah, I remember Colin, that. Colin, I'm sure a lot of Preds fans remember this because we love trolling Blackhawks fans. But I remember <laughs> in, I remember in that playoff series, the motto for the Blackhawks, I don't know if it was their social media team or who came up with it, but their motto, I'm not making this up for the playoffs for the playoffs that year, was quote unquote one goal. Which they were trying to say like <laughs> the Stanley Cup. They were trying to say the Stanley Cups are one goal. And Preds fans had a great time trolling the Blackhawks, saying you couldn't even score one goal. That's amazing. And it took them a while. I, could, it took I, remember, them a while. I remember game four. It was like because I, I remember seeing tweets where it was like uh, "Stand with us" was our our hashtag. And it was "Stand yeah. with us for and then Chicago, and then it would just be one goal because we won four to one in that last, in that exactly. last game. But yeah, I mean, uh, and you look at the roster, like you you're right about how much the roster, like you kind of lose sight of. How much of those guys are still here? Like the, the only the only three guys that scored in that playoff run that are no longer on this roster are uh, Freddie Goudreau and then James Neal and Craig Smith and then Kevin Fiala as well. Like yeah. those are that's that's it the four of them and then really like everybody else is pretty much intact. It's just that everybody's a little bit older, but you would think with some of these guys they got more more experience and so it, you got to wonder you got to wonder can they can can these can these players that we that are from that team that are on this current team. Can they flip that switch and they can they do it one more time? Can they just get it going? Can they dig deep? Can they maybe remember how it's felt to get eliminated in the playoffs the last uh, three years in the qualifiers in the two, in 2019 against the Stars in 2018 against the Winnipeg Jets? Can they bottle all that anger up and be like, all right, this is our chance. Let's dig deep. Let's do it. That's I mean, and, 
And in, and they need to tell the young guys, explain that 2016-2017 run to those guys and maybe get them in on that, uh, you know, feeling of what it's like to make it to a Stanley Cup final. I mean, the thing is, a lot of them were young guys back when that happened, too. Especially, yeah. I mean, when we have the injuries to Fiala, the injuries to Johansson, all those guys, like, we needed, and I think even Mike Fisher was out for a couple games, too. Like, we needed the young guys to step up, and they did. That's really what got Freddie Gaudreau, you know, his chance, and, I mean, he kind of lit it up for us. I kind of missed him a little bit, you know, side yeah. note there. But, I mean, like, the, the, the thing is, like, the math of a, of a Stanley Cup run is, is pretty easy, right? Like, you got to win. You got to be the first team to win 16 games, yeah. and you can't lose four to a single opponent. That's it. So, you know, what are we what are we going to do? I mean, that that's the biggest hurdle for us right now as far as teams is we've beaten the, the Lightning. Granted, it wasn't with Vasilevsky, but, you know, can we beat the Hurricanes? If we can beat the Hurricanes, if we come out of the first round, the sky's the limit. Anything it's going to start – if they if they beat the Hurricanes in the first round, obviously if they get in first, they still got work to do. We already talked about that. Yeah, but board. if they get in, but if they get in and they beat the Hurricanes, it's going to start – everyone's going to instantly start thinking about 2016-17. You won't be able to help it. And you can't compare it to 2017-18 because that was the President's Trophy team. And yeah. losing in the second round was a massive disappointment. Yeah, I mean we we, expect, yeah. we expected to get out of the first round and beat the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, uh, so you can't compare it to that year. We've so, expected it. We've expected it every year since then, and it yeah. just hasn't. So, happened. Yeah. So <laughs> well, and, and realistically, like I mean, yeah, if we get out of that first round, like it's 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 basically putting everybody else on notice. It kind of puts the pressure off the Preds because at that point, like even from the jump, like they're playing spoiler, right? So as and soon that's as they get what, in there, like they got that look in that, their eye. And that's what happened in the 2017 playoff run. They get, they sweep Chicago. The league was put on notice. It was all people could talk about. It was blowing up on social media. It was crazy. It was yeah. all over. It was all over the sports headlines. Even at the time, ESPN, who didn't cover hockey a lot at the time, they were talking about it like it was Barry Melrose was going nuts over it. Uh, and then awesome. the Pre- and then the Preds had to play the St. Louis Blues, and you had. People who were like, all right, that was fun. It was great to beat the Blackhawks to sweep them. But we were still worried about that as well. And then the, I'm pretty sure the Preds won that series in six games. It was a really – that was a knockdown, dragout series. But the yep. Preds knock out the Blues, and then that's when people are really getting amped up. They're like, okay, we might be able to do this. And then we get the Anaheim Ducks, another hated rival at the time. That team mm-hmm. was not a likable team with Ryan yep. Getzloff and Ryan, and Ryan Kessler – and that team was not liked at all. Corey Perry was on that team as well. Yep. Yes, he and was. So that was that was a, that was a hated Anaheim Ducks team. Preds beat them in six games, and then they go to the Cup final. Of course, they lose to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who was loaded. But my point is this: okay, the reason why we're making this comparison, I know people get sick of it. They're like, "Why are we comparing these two teams? They're completely different." Because the the tracks, the trends are similar. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is They're very, very similar. Though. And you can't help but wonder, okay, because there's also a lot of people out there who are upset. They're like, the Preds didn't do the right thing at the trade deadline. They should have. They should have traded assets. I was one of them that said it, so I'm not. I put myself in this category. And they didn't do it. They kept the team together. They decided to make the playoff push. And if they can go ahead and get in, that's gonna, you know, that might, well, that might reaffirm their position there. And I then, but even- a lot of people. A lot of people out there, real quick, are now are saying, "What's it all for? Why did we go through all this just to get embarrassed by the Carolina Hurricanes in the first round 
And exhibit A is the 2016-17 Predators. Yep. When you even look at like comparisons, like yes, we didn't make any splashes in the trade deadline. We got Eric Branson, Womp Womp. <laughs> but then yeah. look at you look at 2016, 2017. Do you know who got in the trade deadline then? I know it's one one guy's can get you hype. It's Cody McLeod and Vernon Fiddler. Like we weren't yeah. making spl- we weren't making splashes. We were making death death pieces at a time where we were not projected to make the playoffs. Just like we weren't you know similar to uh, how we were a couple weeks ago, or a couple mm-hmm. months ago, and so. I mean, really, it's a psychology thing. Like, when we were in the 2018 run after the President's Trophy, like, we were expected to get to at least the Washington Conference Finals and to be a cup contender, and we, we got stuffed by a more physical Winnipeg team. That's what really kind of started this run of we need to get more physical and really put it in earnest this year with some of the, the acquisitions we had in the offseason. But with, you know, with the 2017 run, and even with a potential, you know, fingers crossed, run in 2021, like, you're playing with house money. Nobody expects you to do anything. Every mm-hmm. every time you win a game, every time you advance, like you're just surprising more and more people. And, and it's a mentality of why not us? Like that's the the Smashville blue collar way of mm-hmm. let's get in and let's do some damage. And you know what? We may not we may not come out of the series as the victors, but we're gonna make sure that we bleed some bruises and we're gonna play our way of hockey and make sure we have fun doing it. So, you know, that's that's my my thought process is if this team wants to repeat anything from 2017, it's take that mentality of you're playing with house money and have fun with it, and just let's yep. let's go for a ride. Yep. You, definitely, get in and you get in, and everything else after that, it's icing on the cake. Yep, they're definitely not the same types of teams as far yeah. as that's concerned. 2016-17 team was a, a more complete roster, I would say, especially with veteran leadership. Uh, and you've got a lot of your veterans now who are on that team as well are way past their prime. We probably think. Not way past their prime, but they're 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 past their peak more than they were then, and so um, you know it's one of those things where again let's just get in and then we'll we'll deal with it we'll deal with the consequences and so I do think it's fun to get that team though because that was a really fun team uh, that that really brought the city together I remember and I know you're gonna get your uh, diehard hockey purists who are. Who, who are fans of teams who have multiple Stanley Cups, they're probably going to laugh at this. But I remember being in Nashville at Fleet Street Pub, which is in uh, Printer's Alley in downtown yeah. Nashville, and I watched the game-clinching uh, Western Conference final game where we knocked out the uh, Ducks. And uh, I can tell you, it felt like we already won the Cup. I can promise you. Like, people were hugging each other. I was hugging strangers. We were buying each other shots of Jameson. Like, we were just having a blast. It was awesome. Like, people were tagging each other's hands in the streets, walking, you know, walking down the sidewalk. Like, it was it was a great feeling. It brought the city together. You had uh, you had the Bridgestone Arena Plaza, people just, like, packing in. The whole city came around the Preds, and it would be so awesome to see that happen again. Uh, and so let's let's get in these playoffs and let's have some fun here, guys. That's, that's kind of how I'm feeling. And, what about you, Colin? What did you do? What did you do down there? Did you go hang out? So I was I was in Nashville. I was actually in Louisville at the time. Oh. But it, it was it was funny because Louisville, you think it's pretty far, far north from Nashville. There's a ton of Predators fans in Louisville. It was kind of surprised some people. Where um, where are they at? Because I want to meet them. <laughs> in the Shelbyville area. So you know where Double Dogs is in Shelbyville? Oh yeah. They play the games, and, and actually, I think oh, well, cool. the manager at the time oh. was from Nashville, so he That's was a Predators right. fan. So like there was there there was a sizable crowd, but like. 
even then, like it was just the fact that like people outside of Nashville knew who Nashville was because of that run. Like yeah. I'd wear my Predator jersey or my Predator stuff around, and people would be like, "Oh, you guys are having a great run. Hope you guys can." Because people want to see that upset. They want to see, especially mm-hmm. in a market that doesn't have a hockey team, they're not going to necessarily be so much of a a purist unless they're like maybe like a Blackhawks fan. But like they're like, right. we really hope you guys beat you know either the Ducks or the Penguins or whoever we were playing because they want us to see. They wanted to see something new, and it was what this team offered was something new, something that was gritty. Um, yep. You know, we we continued to beat the odds even after you know Johansson goes down and Fiala gets injured. Like we're still competing. You know, a guy like Freddie Goudreau goes on on a pretty good tear offensively. Like it was it was just a lot of fun to see in Louisville. And then when I did go drive down to Nashville, I mean the city like it was. I've never seen Nashville so excited about anything. Yeah. And I've seen. seen I remember. Well, I remember when Titans made it to the Super Bowl, like the city was excited, but like it wasn't happening in Nashville, so it wasn't the city couldn't rally behind mm-hmm. it the way Nashville did. I mean, like it, downtown was just nuts, and, and when they when you go back and you watch some of the YouTube videos, or like any of the the you know, archive video of like the flyovers of Broadway, and it's not even Broadway. I mean, it's dipping into every street around it, and just seeing right. all the people that were packed there and watching people people watching on the lawn, like it was just. Nashville needs that, especially as much as Nashville's been through the last few years. Like Nashville needs something like that to bring the city together again. I, I mean, I would love yeah. um, just from an emotional standpoint to see the city come together for something yeah. like that. So yeah, we don't uh, we don't do this very often, but you know, David Poyle, you know, there was a gritty 26, 2016, 2017. David Poyle has done a good job of getting this team together, and they're they're more gritty. So now they just got to get in the playoffs, and hopefully, they can catch some of that magic again. Yeah, I mean the thing is, like we've seen, they are not putting up the stats, but we've seen like like glimpses of it, like Duchesne and mm-hmm. Hall. That connection, that connection starts clicking. That's yep. gonna be crazy if Cunning gets back to where he was when he came back. From and we Andrew, see, let's be honest, we see. Cra- let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. We see crazy stuff happen in the Stanley Cup playoffs all the time. Let's, oh, talk, yeah. let's talk about Colum- Columbus swept Tampa Bay. Yep. Uh, the 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 playoffs before this past playoffs in the bubble. Yeah. So it can happen. So let's just let's just uh. Even that 2016-17 playoff postseason, mm-hmm. uh, the Ottawa Senators made a crazy run. Our, our, yeah. our friend Ray Perkin of the Hockey Riders uh, talked about how the Ottawa Senators went on a very similar playoff run that season yep. where they weren't expected to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. We were so hoping them. So let's just take – And then once, yeah, once right? we – So let's, once, let's take – Go ahead. I was just going to say, say real let's quick. Let's take care of business. Let's not worry. Let's not worry about what the Dallas Stars do. Let, yep. let, let's 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 prove we can beat the Carolina Hurricanes, and then Rich is going to yep. uh, finish off episode forty-two for us. Oh, I was just going to say, once we get out of these division games, then it's going to be really crazy because these guys haven't seen each other. So I don't know. Anything, I think, could, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Yep. 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 Definitely. The playoffs. The playoffs are going to be a blast. The playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs are going to be a blast. Can't wait. All right. All right, so thanks for listening, everybody. This has been episode 42 of the Catfish and Ice podcast. This is Chad Minton with Colin Bloon and Rich Howe. We love bringing the podcast to you. We have a blast doing it. We're hoping we're going to be bringing you some playoff episodes coming up here okay. shortly. We need the Preds to just get us one more win, or we can just go ahead and uh, wait for the Tampa Bay Lightning to do that for us. We need Tampa Either Bay way, we are excited about getting some playoff hockey here. All right. So this has been episode 42. Take care. Have a great week. And we will uh, your week. We will see you next week for episode 43. Hopefully we're talking about the Preds playoffs by then. Everyone stay safe out there.
What's up, everybody? It's Jaren from the Hockey Podcast Network's newest show, the Windy City Benders Podcast. My co-host Tanner and I bring our unique takes on Blackhawks hockey. Us on the show have been a, a pro Carlton guy. For, he's the right coach for the situation. Giving it to our rivals. That's one of the things that kind of sucks. I wish we would have had the Blues in our division this year because our trash. As well as bringing in some guests from the NHL. Please welcome to the show goaltender Scott Darling. The Eagle himself, Ed Belfort. Brian Bickle. David Bolin. Letter Kenny. The, the show started out with uh, basically... A beer league hockey team. And anybody who loves the game. Find us on all your favorite podcast apps, the Hockey Podcast Network website, and on social media at WCB Podcasts.